A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the podcast that reads from your social media posts, online articles, and sometimes a surprise or two. So let's start the show. I'm your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello and welcome back everyone to Tom Reads Your Story. We are, of course, wrapping up today an audiobook called Lonely Magnolia. And I'll be right back after this message. Do you need a good professional sound for your podcast? I'm Tom Zania, voice actor and podcast host of Tom Reads Your Story. I can give you the sound you're looking for for your podcast intros and advertisements at the price and turnaround you need. So don't hesitate and send me a message at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com. Okay. So anyway, we're here. Uh, this is Tom Reads Your Story. You might be here for the first time. If you are, buckle up. All right? Buckle up. Because this is going to be the ride of your life. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. Podcasting is the thing now. Remember when blogging first came out years ago? Well, it's the same thing again, except it's podcasting. <laughs> it's done on a computer. Uh, it's like a radio show. People say, what is a podcast? Well, a podcast is basically a radio show produced on a computer. That's it. Don't let anybody tell you different. If somebody writes in and says, Tom, a podcast is actually... Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> okay? This is what my definition of a podcast is and if you don't like it listen to a different show but don't listen to another show please please listen to my show listen to my show pay attention and get something out of it okay good so this week we're going to end up with the last part of a really i think very good book called lonely magnolia it's not the best one I've ever done, but it's a really good book by John Isaac Jones. John Isaac Jones, as I explained last week, is a Southern author. He's got a lot of good books out. You may not have ever heard of him, but he's still very good. And I had the great good fortune of narrating several of his books. And I hope I can do more in the future. Anyway. This, as I said, is a book about online dating and how someone in the same field, in, in the computer field, got wrapped up in it. And uh, we're going to listen to how that all turned out because here is chapters three 
4, and 5 of Lonely Magnolia by John Isaac Jones, or as he calls himself, John I. Here it is. Chapter 3. Friendship. Over the next two weeks, they shared numerous chat sessions and talked about anything and everything under the sun. Quickly, Dr. Wingate discovered Sadie was a very intelligent woman with a wide variety of interests. In late March, he was in Boston for a three-day conference with other computer scientists at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. As the speaker yammered on and on about the recent mechanization of computer programming and how one-size-fits-all programming was destroying creativity within the digital community, Dr. Wingate's thoughts turned to Sadie. He didn't want to be here, he told himself. He wanted to be back in Daytona Beach, sipping a glass of sweet iced tea with extra lemon and chatting with Sadie. That night, before he boarded the plane for Daytona Beach, he checked his mobile. He had a new message from Sadie. When he logged in the following morning, he went straight to her message. I hoped you would be online tonight so we could talk. I know you said you would be gone, but I miss our little chat sessions. I guess you're off with your friends discussing algorithms and subroutines or some other such complicated things. I will try again in the morning. The moment he opened the chat window, she was waiting. Good evening. Hi. I missed you. I missed you, too. How are you today? Actually, a little tired. I was up reading late last night, reading poetry. I read Song of the Chattahoochee again, first time since high school. Brought back so many memories. Oh, yes, it's a great poem. Out of the hills of Habersham, down the valleys of Hall, I hurry amain to reach the plain, run the rapid and leap the fall. Split at the rock and together again, accept my bed, or narrow or wide, and flee from folly on every side, with a lover's pain to attain the plain. Far from the hills of Habersham, far from the valleys of Hall. Very good. <laughs> My mother first read that to me when I was ten or twelve. I never forgot it. Long pause. What plans do you have today? This morning I've got to finish writing some code for a database program. This afternoon, I'll either read or go to the beach. Do you ever get lonely? Sometimes. Usually, if I have my work to do, I don't think about being lonely. It's the time when I don't have anything to do that I start to feel lonely. Long pause. When my wife was alive, she filled up my life during the times I didn't have work to do. It's nice to have someone to do that. Yes, I know the feeling. I, too, miss not having someone else in my life. Long pause. My, my, you're so easy to talk to. Somehow, 
I feel like I've known you all my life. Yes, I feel the same way. After the chat session that night, Dr. Wingate felt he was on to something good with Sadie. This one is a keeper, he thought. She was so open and honest, her self-honesty, that was what he liked best. Here was a woman who could recognize and tell the truth about herself. A rare trait, Dr. Wingate thought. He liked that, and very intelligent. This is the one, he thought. This is the woman I've been looking for. This is the woman I will make into the love of my life. Over the next two months, Dr. Wingate and Sadie chatted every day. Over that period, their chat sessions were a whirlwind of shared life experiences, old memories, personal observations, and slices of life. Here are the highlights. April 4. Had an argument with my boss today. At times, he is so unreasonable. What happened? He threw a fit because I put the wrong date on a letter to the main office. He said small mistakes like that reflect badly on our local office. There's probably some truth to that. He didn't threaten you with your job, did he? Oh, no. Nothing like that. He was just very cold toward me the rest of the day. Then I wouldn't worry about it. He's probably already forgotten about it. Long pause. Yeah, you're probably right. He does have a short memory about those things. Thanks for trying to make me feel better. You have a way of calming me down. That's okay. That's what friends are for. April 11. Attended to my tomatoes this morning, but spent most of the day thinking about you. Yes, I have spent a lot of time thinking about you lately. When can we meet? I thought we had already talked about this. Remember, we agreed to give ourselves some time to learn one another. You're right. I promise to be patient. I will live up to my promise. Long pause. Well, I've got to go in now. Oh, really? Couldn't you stay just a little longer? Uh, what was the story you were going to tell me about your brother? It will have to wait until tomorrow. I need to get into bed. Okay. Good night. When he closed the chat window that night, he was afraid he had said something wrong. April 20. Beautiful sunset this afternoon. The rays of the evening sun paint the bottoms of the clouds an orange-reddish color. Know what I mean? You're a poet. Thanks. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. There are few things on this earth more beautiful than a sunset. Were you at the beach today? Oh, yes. Big surf today. So much water. There were no boats in the inlet except Coast Guard patrol boats. Lots of dead jellyfish. Long pause. I hope someday we can walk along the beach here together. So do I. During the month of May, Dr. Wingate could feel his heart being drawn ever closer to Sadie. May 4. 
It's early May. My zinnias and petunias are coming up beautifully. They grow well with these warm days we've had lately. Like our relationship? Yes, you could say that. Our friendship has grown quite nicely over the past two months. We've become very good friends. I always look forward to my chat sessions with you. When can I meet you? Remember our original agreement? Three months before we meet. We have not reached that milestone yet. You did agree to that. Yes, I'm aware of that. I guess I'm getting a little anxious. I have developed quite a yen for you over the past two months. I feel the same way about you. I look forward to our chat sessions, but I feel it is best if we wait a while longer. Remember, you did agree to three months. Yes, I did. We'll have it your way. Thanks for your understanding. May 14. Oh, Sadie, I think about you every hour of the day. You are in my heart and mind. Yes, Carl, I feel the same way. Our hearts have grown closer and closer over the past two months, and you have become such an important part of my life. Two nights later, over dinner with his daughter Becky, he told her about Sadie. I think I'm in love, he said. Oh, Daddy, she replied. I'm so happy for you. You're the kind of person who needs someone in his life. Are you going up to Savannah? She asked. Not yet, he said. She wants to wait a while. She says she wants to be good friends first. I'll probably go next month. That's a sound approach, she said. She wants to be sure it's right before she commits to anything. I can see the sense of that. I just wish it was sooner rather than later. Just be patient, the daughter said. She seems like a very nice person, and when the time is right, you and she can get together. Have you talked marriage? She asked. Not yet, but I think we will very soon. She says she wants to get married again. May 22nd, Dr. Wingate and Sadie were chatting online again. Hurricane warnings out today. If I lived in Florida, I would be scared to death of hurricanes. I remember when I was growing up in Waycross and the tornadoes would come. We would hide in the tornado shelter and wait until it passed. I would be so upset and frightened. That's how I feel tonight. Can you talk to me long enough to calm me down? Absolutely. Long pause. Today while gardening... I raked my hand through some loose soil and scooped up an earthworm that was at least eight inches long. It was so long I thought it was a snake and I slung it out of my hand. When I did, Green started barking and barking. Long pause. Green, you have a dog? Oh, yes. I've had him several years. And his name is Green? Yes. Don't you think that's a nice name? I've never heard of a dog named Green. My father had a hound named Blue. Long pause. Dr. Wingate didn't want to ruffle any feathers, so he continued with the original discussion. When I was growing up, my cousin and I would fiddle earthworms out of the ground and use them for fish bait. How would you fiddle them? 
bend over a small bush, then rub a stick across the trunk real fast. This vibrates the ground around the roots and irritates the earthworms and they crawl out of the ground. Well, that's a new one on me. Long pause. For some reason, Dr. Wingate wanted to discuss the dog further. Is Green a good dog? Oh, yes, he runs and sits and rolls over and does all the things that most dogs do. He's very intelligent. Can he talk? Long pause. What? Of course he can't talk. He's a dog. You know, sometimes you say the craziest things. Sorry, I was just trying to be funny. I didn't mean to go astray. Long pause. Get it? Astray? Dog? <laughs> Long pause. Well, I guess it's time for me to go in. Long pause. I didn't offend you, did I? Oh, no. It's getting late. I really need to get to bed. I have to be in the office at nine tomorrow. Okay. Good night. When he shut down his Southern Singles account that night, he wondered why anyone would name their dog Green. The next night, when he opened a chat window on Southern Singles, she was waiting. Carl, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good evening, darling. I hope you are well. We are having a huge rainstorm here in Savannah tonight. The wind is whipping around like there is no tomorrow, and the rain is pouring down. I wish you were here with me. I wouldn't feel so lonely. I long for the day when I can be by your side. That day will come. It won't be much longer. I miss you every day and every night. You are constantly in my thoughts. Yes, and you're constantly in mine. In late May, the three-month waiting period was drawing to a close. The three-month period will be over in two more days. Yes, I know. You have been very patient. Thanks. Are you still happy with our relationship? Yes, very much so. In fact, I think I've fallen in love with you. Long pause. He hadn't expected that response, but he was happy when he heard it. Yes, I feel the same way. Then can we meet? Yes. Can you come to Savannah? I sure can. When? Are you free tomorrow night? Sure am. I know how much you like southern food. I know just the place. Where? A little place called Southern Dining Emporium. It's just a few doors down from my house. They make the best chicken and dumplings. Sounds great. Let's do it. Okay. Go to online maps and search for Southern Dining Emporium. It's at 1420 Peachtree Lane in Savannah. Long pause as Dr. Wingate launched his MAPS application and started to search. Did you find it? Hang on. I'm searching. Long pause. Still searching. 
Got it. Yeah. Looks like a nice little place. They're open until 10 tomorrow night. What time? How does seven sound? Perfect. How will I recognize you? I'll be wearing a light blue dress and white shoes. I can't wait to meet you. Neither can I. I love you. I love you, too. Chapter 4. The Meeting The following morning, Dr. Wingate was cruising up I-95 from Daytona Beach to Savannah. It was about a three-hour drive. As he cruised up I-95, he was happy and excited that he was about to meet the love of his life. His plans called for them to have a few dates. Then he would invite her to his Florida home for a weekend. Just after 5.30 that afternoon, his GPS instructed him to turn off I-95 into the historic district of Savannah. After a series of twists and turns, he found Peachtree Lane and a moment later, the Southern Dining Emporium. The facade matched the photo he had seen online. Parking spaces were full near the front, so he drove to the next block, parked his car, and walked back to the restaurant. The time was 6.48. He was early. That was okay. He didn't mind waiting. He wanted to be sure to be there when she arrived. For some 15 minutes, he watched as a greeter welcomed couples and families into the restaurant. At 7.05, he saw as a woman that looked like Sadie arrived at the restaurant entrance. She was a medium-height blonde, wearing a light blue dress and looking around expectedly. That's Sadie, he told himself. Quickly, Dr. Wingate rushed forward. Sadie, he called. The woman turned, glanced at him with an annoyed expression, then turned and took the hand of another man and started walking into the restaurant. Miffed, he continued to wait. Over the next fifteen minutes, he waited patiently. Couples and families continued to stream in and out of the restaurant. He had taken a position near the entrance so he could get a close look at all the incoming patrons. She said she lived near the restaurant, so apparently she intended to walk. As he watched the door, he also kept an eye on the sidewalk in both directions in front of the restaurant. At 7.30, when there was still no Sadie, he became worried. Something had happened, or she had fallen ill or had an accident. At 7.40... He was getting desperate and asked the greeter if he had seen a short blonde in a blue dress and white shoes. The greeter shook his head in ignorance. Finally, at 8 p.m., Dr. Wingate decided she was a no-show and returned to his car. Hurt and disappointed, Dr. Wingate drove back to Daytona Beach that night. When he arrived back home and logged into his Southern Singles account, he opened a chat window for Sadie. Instantly, he got a warning message of profile unknown. Then he searched the site for Lonely Magnolia and got the same message. Profile unknown. 
Dr. Wingate shook his head in frustration. Somehow she had disappeared. Moments later, he began searching online databases for a Sadie Collins in Savannah. He searched phone, real estate, and telephone records. There was a Sarah Collins listed, but her age was 23. He knew that wasn't his Sadie. Finally, after he had searched until noon and all the while found no trace of Sadie, Dr. Wingate was baffled at his dilemma. He was determined to get to the bottom of it. After lunch, he decided to try a different tack. He called the Southern Singles website and explained he was trying to get information about one of their subscribers. But his inquiry was met with a curt, we can provide no information about our members. After he hung up, he wondered what his next move would be. Finally, he launched a search into Sunshine Internet Services, the parent company that owned Southern Singles, and obtained a legal address for the corporation. Then he called his attorney and told him what had happened. After explaining the story, Dr. Wingate instructed his attorney, Mark Fletcher, that if Southern Singles could not provide information with which he could locate Sadie, he wanted to sue for alienation of affection. Two weeks later, the attorney called Dr. Wingate and explained that a meeting had been set up between himself, Dr. Wingate, and one Robert Wall, CEO of Sunshine Internet Services. He explained that the meeting was set for two days later at the corporation's offices in Miami. The attorney said the company CEO had assured him he would provide all available information about Lonely Magnolia. Dr. Wingate promised he would be sure to be present. The offices for Sunshine Internet Services were located in a high-rise in the Harbor District of Miami. Robert Wall was an early 30-ish boy of a man with a quiet smile and a shock of red hair and a long, flowing beard. After pleasantries, the three were seated in the CEO's office and ready to get down to business. I'm not sure if you remember me, Wall began. But I was a member of the programming team that performed coding on some of your early dating software. Dr. Wingate peered at the younger man. He didn't recognize him. I don't remember you, he said. What can you tell me about Sadie? The younger man cleared his throat. <clears throat> I'm afraid I have to tell you, Dr. Wingate, he said. There is no such person as Sadie Collins. Dr. Wingate peered at him incredulously. What do you mean there is no Sadie Collins? Sadie Collins, profile name Lonely Magnolia, is a virtual woman created for Southern Singles. When our website first launched in 2004, we didn't have enough real candidates to meet the demand for all of the various types of women our subscribers were seeking. For instance, some of our subscribers were seeking women in categories for which no real women were available. As a result, your programmers wrote software 
to create a host of virtual women. Lonely Magnolia, a.k.a. Sadie Collins, was one of those. I don't believe you, Dr. Wingate said. You're a liar. Sadie is just as alive and breathing as you and me. The young CEO shook his head sadly. As you should know, artificial intelligence is so well developed these days that virtual people quite often seem more real than actual people. You're out of your mind, Dr. Wingate said. That woman is just as alive as me or you. Again, I have to tell you, it was your company's software that created Sadie, he said. Do you remember the names of the personality types that were created for the templates? No. Refresh my memory, Dr. Wingate said. Think back the young CEO said. Remember the names of the templates? Needy Widow, Lonely Fat Girl, Queen Bee, Southern Belle. Now which template do you think Sadie Collins was born out of? Do you remember in version 3.6 you suggested that any self-respecting Southern Belle should be able to quote Song of the Chattahoochee or her prospective lover? Remember your memo to integrate the poem into the artificial intelligence portion of the software? Dr. Wingate was flabbergasted. He looked at his attorney for some assurance. There was none. The young CEO continued. And the three months she made you wait? Remember the software that was designed to tease? then lead on a lover for exactly three months, because three months was the average subscription term for site members? Dr. Wingate peered angrily at the younger man. His first instinct was to slap him, but he controlled himself. Yes, he remembered the memos about the Southern Bell template and the Song of the Chattahoochee integration. Most of all, he remembered the glitch in the original software, which was never corrected in later versions. The glitch involved two databases, one for favorite color, which was left empty, and the other for pet's name, which had been switched. In the program, the only choices for pet's names were colors like red, yellow, and blue. He remembered that Sadie hadn't chosen a favorite color. Now he knew why her dog was named Green. So Sadie Collins was nothing more than a fiction created by a computer program? Asked the attorney. I'm afraid so, Wall said. In that case, the attorney replied, you are guilty of false and misleading advertising. When you place a profile on a dating site, subscribers should have every confidence that the person they are communicating with is real and alive. Talk to Dr. Wingate about that, the young CEO replied. He created the software that created Lonely Magnolia. I've heard enough, Dr. Wingate said. 
turning to his attorney. Come on, let's go. Instantly, they arose from their chairs. What's wrong? The young CEO said. Can't you handle the truth? You're the great computer genius, Dr. Carl Wingate. Don't you recognize your own software? Dr. Wingate and his attorney had reached the door. Wait, the young CEO called after them. Don't I get an apology? You threaten to sue me, then come to my office, waste my time, and don't even offer an apology? Dr. Wingate and his attorney were gone. Over the next month, the story took the world by storm. It was published in newspapers throughout the world. Eventually, the story reached members of the World Digital Council in Brussels. Shortly afterward, articles and editorials about Dr. Wingate and his lapse in judgment began appearing in print and online computer magazines. One online magazine reported the story with the headline, Poor Dr. Wingate. A cartoon in the World Digital Council's monthly magazine portrayed a photo of Dr. Wingate sitting at his personal computer holding out his arms to a middle-aged woman on the screen. The caption read, My darling, will you marry me? Another online magazine carried a headline that read, Dr. Wingate's Fatal Love. The great computer genius had become the laughing stock of his profession. Meanwhile, back at his Florida home, Dr. Wingate couldn't believe what had befallen him. He now hated himself. He had been had in the worst possible way. Here was the great genius who had laid the foundations for the digital age. He had done for digitization what Newton had done for mathematics, what Galileo had done for astronomy. Now look at him. He had been taken to the cleaners like some ten-year-old child would be taken by gypsies at a county fair. As a man of science, Dr. Wingate had committed the unpardonable sin. As a scientist, he had ignored the basic precepts that scientific discipline demanded. He had allowed his heart to take control over his reason. He had taken appearance for reality. He had allowed falsity to take precedence over truth. He had closed his eyes at a time when they should have been wide open. It was the most grievous error a dedicated scientist could make, and it had a devastating effect on him. Chapter 5 Aftermath. Over the next few months, something terrible happened to Dr. Wingate. He shut himself up away from the outside world in his Florida home, and, save for the occasional visit from his daughter Becky, he only ventured out to buy food and pay bills. He became a total recluse for almost five months. The only social communication he had with the outside world was through email. Some friends said he started to drink, which was totally out of character for Dr. Wingate. Until now, he had been an absolute teetotaler. Then one day, he appeared on his front porch, carrying a suitcase. Upon seeing him, Mrs. Harris, 
his next-door neighbor, who was tending to her roses, inquired. "'Dr. Wingate,' she asked, "'are you going on a trip?' "'I'm going to Savannah to see Sadie,' he said. "'You've been talking about her for some time now,' she said. "'You and she must be deeply in love.' "'Oh, yes,' Dr. Wingate replied. "'We are very much in love.' "'Good for you,' she said. "'I'm very happy for both of you.' Moments later, he waved goodbye, and Mrs. Harris watched as the car sped off down the street. Two days later, Dr. Wingate was arrested in Savannah. With a handful of withered flowers, he had been going door to door in the neighborhood near the Southern Dining Emporium looking for Sadie. Several residents told him he had the wrong house, but after he returned to the home of a policeman for the second time, the officer questioned him. After only a brief inquiry, the officer suspected something was amiss and asked Dr. Wingate to go downtown with him. At police headquarters, his daughter was called and he was released to her custody. Upon leaving the police station, the officer in charge told Becky her father needed a psychiatric evaluation. Upon their return to Florida, Becky checked her father into the psychiatric hospital at Daytona Beach. After two days of tests and evaluation, the hospital said their prognosis was that Dr. Wingate should remain there. Two days after the evaluation, Dr. Philip Halloran, chief psychiatrist at the hospital, asked the daughter to visit. As requested, Becky appeared for the visit at the appointed time and met Dr. Halloran. Moments later, they were strolling down the antiseptic hospital corridors, then stopped at the door to an observation room. This was a room equipped with a one-way window through which doctors could observe a patient without their knowledge. Dr. Halloran pushed a button and a curtain drew back to reveal Dr. Wingate. The walls of the room had been padded and Dr. Wingate was constrained in the hospital bed. His arms, legs, and head were free, but his torso was in constraints. Observe, Dr. Halloran said. Becky Wingate peered at her father. Sadie, her father was saying to an imaginary person, you look so funny in that hat. I remember when I was a child, my Aunt Henrietta had a hat just like that. She loved to wear it to church for all of the other women to see it. Then he burst into delirious laughter. <laughs> What's happened to him? The daughter asked. He refuses to release the feelings of ecstasy he felt during online conversations with this Sadie, Dr. Halloran said. To perpetuate these feelings of ecstasy, he has created his own culture, his own world, which only he understands. The daughter peered at him. His own world? she asked. Observe, he said, nodding toward Dr. Wingate. Dr. Wingate was smiling. Sadie, now listen to the joke. You've got to listen to the joke. I, I listen to yours and you have to listen to mine. What did the baby banana say to the mother banana? He waited. I listen to yours and you have to listen to mine. What did the baby banana say to the mother banana? He waited. You don't know, he said. 
He waited again, then blurted out, I don't peel good. <laughs> For a moment, he was quiet. Seconds later, he picked up a newspaper, glanced at it, then threw it aside. Sadie, he said, do you like the flowers and the chocolates? I'm sorry they didn't have the light caramel. I know how you love the light caramel. The man said they had the light caramels on back order, but they wouldn't be in until next week. In the observation booth, Dr. Halloran continued. He refuses to leave the love bubble he has created. He fears the world that exists outside of his love for this Sadie, and he will do anything and everything within his power to remain safely within this bubble of security and peace he has created for himself. Is there no hope? The daughter asked. The psychologist shook his head sadly. Just keep him drugged and in constraints so he doesn't hurt himself. In Greek mythology, there is the famous story of Pygmalion, the sculptor who fell in love with a beautiful statue he had sculpted. Like Pygmalion, Dr. Wingate had fallen in love with his own creation. Unfortunately, as in the Greek myth where the goddess Aphrodite changed the statue Pygmalion had created into a real woman whom he then married, there was no such divine intervention for Dr. Wingate. He knew his Sadie was gone forever. As a result, rather than live with the heartbreaking torment of being without the person he loved, Dr. Wingate had gone to her. The End Well, what did you think? I, I hope you liked that. Uh, that was, of course, the end of John Isaac Jones's book called Lonely Magnolia. I, I think it's a good one. And I thank you, uh, as I do every week, you first-time listeners and you regular listeners for coming by. It means a lot to me that you're listening. This I have to apologize. Most of my episodes are 20 to 30 minutes. This is going to be 42, 43. Anyway, so that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. Portions were pre-recorded, of course. Tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today, because we're always looking for new ones, and you know that. Thank you, Anchor.fm. I greatly appreciate this opportunity. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. Bye now. This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.